As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hello and welcome to the Ruck Podcast from the Times and Sunday Times. My name is Alan Dimmick and we have got a full slate for you today. Your regular hosts have, have got their shoulder to the wheel at the moment. It's Six Nations Week after all. We've got the big kickoff coming up coming up this weekend. So you're going to have to make do with me and I'm joined by Mark Evans. Mark, how are you doing and what did you see this weekend? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, I'm a little upset not to be called a regular. Uh, anyway, never mind. Uh, what did I see this weekend? Uh, well, first of all, I found it a little bit... Mm. Uh, I don't like it when the attention already goes away from the Premiership, and I think it did this weekend, despite it, you know, the first um, game on ITV, which good to see it on, you know, Channel 3, the, the, the main channel. I thought that was great. Um, top three all beaten, I suppose, is the, um, is the headline, uh, which I think, which personally I think is great. Um, although, obviously, my, my, my beloved Quinns went down, so that wasn't so good. Um... And some really interesting mid-table surges. Uh, I mean, Sale, really. I mean, they were dead and buried, weren't they? I mean, with half an hour to go, they were dead. Their season was finished, and they came back. Uh, Gloucester looked really... We'll come back to them, maybe. They, they, look, they look very comfortable. Um, and Wasps. Mm. Fair play. Well, we'll get into all that. Um, I can, in fact, with you and me in charge, I consider this whole podcast a mid-table surge. Um, <laughs> c- coming up on The Rock today, we're going to be uh, digging into the Calcutta Cup. We're speaking to former Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw. Uh, our good friend Alex Lowe has got a little snippet of an interview he's done with Jamie George of England, so we'll be getting that side of things ahead of it. There's all sorts else to dig into with, this, with the Six Nations. Hey, it's... What do they call it? The Greatest Championship. We'll be t- tucking into all that, but... I did get a text yesterday from our very own Stephen Jones. Uh, lads, I, I won't do an impersonation of him. But Which is disappointing for he, all the listeners. Yeah, yeah. He, he he made a very big point of saying, particularly after that ITV game that you've mentioned, that we can't forget about the Premiership. So before we get into anything Six Nations, we'll be tucking into that and pouring over the results from that and, and what was an incredible weekend of action. But before we get going with that, Mark, I've got, I'm going to spring this on you. Uh-huh. I've got something to run past you, uh, and it's an idea that Alfie... Well, Alfie played no part in this. Alfie, our producer, which we were chatting uh, a couple of weeks ago about this, and you know that thing that you always have the conversation with Steve about, about promotion and relegation mm. or, or the salary cap and mm. should we be funding mm. the championship? I'm going to run this past you. This yeah. just hit me. I haven't thought it through at all. In the NBA, there's a luxury tax yeah. for paying over the odds for the, um, for the salary cap. So if you want to spend out with the soft cap and go spend even more, you have to pay a premium to do that. What if the Premiership introduced that and there was the premium was then paid to the Championship to be divvied up between the clubs there? Does that bridge the gap? Have I fixed rugby? Uh, it's, it's, it's not something that's just... Uh, you said NBA, didn't you? It's not. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I think the MLB have it as well, if I'm not mistaken. And the AFL certainly have it. They have it on... Um, playing department spend uh, in other words not salaries they don't and then here's an interesting this might be a little variation on it they put a luxury tax on 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 playing department spend 
over and above the players, in other words, coaches and support staff, because they've had a salary cap for a long, long time and it's been pretty effective. And what they found was the richer clubs knew they couldn't break the cap, so they spent more and more and more money on support. And, of course, players as they would, gravitated over time towards the clubs with a better and a stronger performance department. So they put a luxury tax on that. Now, that was quite effective because what that did was take money from the richer clubs and give it straight to their competitors who could then improve their performance department. So they didn't want to, I think this is my answer really off the top of my head, rather than reduce the integrity of the salary cap, which had been working very effectively and we've I'd be loath to get re- reduce that just as we've got it sort of working yeah there may well be something in it in other types of spending around the league but those types of um responses tend to come into leagues that have had the whole equalization thing going for a lot longer than we have I want to know Steve Zion it next time he's on. <laughs> I can give okay. you that coming up uh, after this short break we'll get tucked into the premiership So, the Premiership. What the hell happened at the weekend there? I'm just going to read out some results. Mm. Bath, who was 13th, beat Quinns, who was 3rd. Sale, 10th, beat Leicester, top of the table, number 1. Wasps were 8th, and beat Saris, who was 2nd. I mean, Mark, what brilliant fun. What the hell went on? It's great. Look, if you are committed to uh, a a league in which there's uncertainty of outcome as I am and have been for God knows how long Um, you want mid to lower teams at home to beat the top teams and in a collision sport like rugby where power is much of the battle that's actually quite difficult (laughs) to get a league that, that is a collision sport to be really uncertain about its outcomes every week in nearly every game is a really tough thing to get to. And I'm enormously encouraged, and we, we said this on the, on the Ruck earlier this year, that we've now got a league, uh, or it shouldn't be 13 teams, it's a ridiculous number, but leave that aside, in which virtually every team at home can can be anybody else. And and, and actually almost like the Treves of Bath have maybe masked that a little bit. Um and, and I just think it's 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 great and I think is not a one off. I, I think you're gonna see a bit of a surge now. Um I mean sale were sale season was on the line with thirty minutes to go. If they'd lost that game, you just couldn't see them featuring in any in a challenge for the top four. Still think it's really difficult for them, but you know, there just wouldn't be enough games left and, and all credit for them. They 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 really did research. I thought that was a that was a strange substitution, wasn't it? Freddie Burns going off with about twenty five minutes to go. And I know Steve Borth said he was injured afterwards, I think, didn't he? Didn't look like it. His reaction was not that you know when you take a player off because he's injured and they're frustrated because they're injured, as opposed to taking them off and hooking them tactically and they're really angry. He looked angry to me, not rather than upset. Well, I mean, a lot of made was, was made in this game. The fact that it was on ITV and great for it to go to a free to air audience. Mm. I think if you'd gone on the first half alone, you'd be saying, oh, "We're we're sorry, viewers <laughs> of ITV." But the second half, things came to life. So. I think from a, a neutral who wants entertainment and drama, that questionable substitution, whether it was an injury or not, 
academic really because it sort of changed the complexion of the game it's funny that that Dupree a try where he charged down Hegarty with mm. a low-flying rock of a kick. It was a, it and was it charged an, it down, was it was awful. horrible. You know, I, I can't remember if the camera did pan to Borthwick or whether it was afterwards, but it was reminiscent of that scene um, when um, Sheriff Brody realises that there's a shark in the water in Jaws. You know, that famous scene where the sort of the background yeah. that elongates behind them, uh-huh. it was kind of like that moment where he's like, oh God, we're in for a game here. And then the crowd comes to life at the AG Bell and it just had that sort of fate feeling. And they've been really quiet, haven't they? First half, I remember thinking, God, I wish, you know, this is not a great... It doesn't... Watching it on television, it it was quiet, it it looked a bit, you know, and even though they had a decent crowd there, probably the best of the season. Uh, On the more positive side for Sale, I thought Luke James at fullback was absolutely outstanding and has been consistently. I think he's been their best three-quarter for quite some time. I thought it was terrific out in Claremont. That try scored first half when Sale were not playing very well. His footwork to go around Bryce Hegarty, who is not going to be showing much of that game in his highlights reel, um, was was quite exceptional. And then they got going, didn't they? And momentum's a wonderful thing. And, you know, suddenly... They were running much harder. They were running better angles. They were offloading. And Leicester just couldn't quite get it, get hold of it. I mean, Leicester do, still did Leicester-y things. They did. I mean, Montoya scored a, a, a knockover try from, from the from the mall. And it's like, okay, yeah, put your, put your uh, money on that to happen. Great, because they're fantastic at that kind of thing. But it just, I don't know, it just felt off kilter with how this season has gone for I've already seen some Tigers fans being like this is unacceptable and it, you forget oh, how long it's on. been since they've lost some games yeah, it's very on. short memories in this game and they're missing a few they're missing quite a few and they've got to look we've talked about how strong their squad is and what depth they've got but nevertheless you know you're missing Ben Youngs you're missing George Ford you're missing quite a few so um, look, all but, but with that actually just to jump in there is because this has been already this whether this is an anomaly or this is how this period of Six Nations is going to go The six, because the Premiership rattles on through the Six Nations mm. and it's a great leveller to lose lose uh, test players so it's I've seen when you, whenever you see people moaning about oh lost XYZ it's like well it's the case of the have and have nots and suddenly there's we've got similar here and it's like what do you want do we want everyone can beat everyone which is a thing that yes, we always we say is amazing about yes, the championships. Yes, we do. Fantastic. Or do you want to see the biggest stars playing? Uh, Mark Mark likes to call the uh, the URC the UFC, and in the URC it's a big debate always. It's like, do we want full-strength teams or do you not? And it's like, well, actually, this is where the Josh van der Fleers and the, the Porters come from because they play uh, when the, the big test stars are away, and then lo and behold, they become household names. You know, it seems like there's this is the time period where you get a bit more of that in the Premier. A little bit. I, I, I'm, I think it's also a bit that you've got two teams of the three who have, um, well, you leave Bath aside for the moment. We'll come back to them maybe later. But Sale and Wasps, for different reasons, um, one controllable and one not, have been underperforming this season. You know, you, you look back at you look at the squads now, and Wasps are now getting a few back. You know, the Launchby's back, which is fantastic to see. You see, Fakatoa's back. You know, they, 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 Robson's back. Now, these are quality, quality players. And they've gone on a bit of a run and confidence starts to build. So, you know, Wasp now, will be, it will be like Quinns from last season. If Wasp can really put a run together, they're still not out of it. Sale, you look at their team on paper, they don't lose that many to England, actually. That's their two world-class, not world-class, that's ridiculous. They look, they've lost their two best scrum halves, one of whom is world-class, aren't playing at the moment. Um, but I think 
they were always going to come back. It's a long, long season. It's a bit like the top 14. You know, you look at it halfway and look at it at the end. It's all, there's always, there's always movers, you know. And um, I, I just think what we want to try and get to is an uh, uh, uncertainty of outcome with as many, uh, well, as few crossover weekends as we can. I mean, that's the aim, that the, the, that the squads are strong enough in 10, 11, 12 of the clubs where you go, you know what? They can win this. This is not a. This is not that the bookmakers' spread gets narrower and it's harder to predict, yeah. and that's what drives interest. Well, uncertainty of outcome. I, I don't think many would have predicted that Wasps can keep pulling it out of the bag as they have. Beat Saracens twenty six twenty. Firstly, I suppose it's a, it's a good opportunity to say that Mark McCall's stepped aside for for a period of time. Um, won't be won't be looking after Saracens and, and whatever's going on there. We wish him all yeah, the best. wish him all the best. Um, yeah. But. Wasps, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to say this, as I was speaking to some people behind the scenes at Wasps about you know just how they keep pulling mm. results out of the bag, considering their horrific run of injuries. And there were some players that have been constants. So the North Star for, for Wasps has been players like Tom Cruise, uh, like Elliot Stook, um, Josh Bassett, these guys that knock their pan in week, week after Brad week Shields. after week. Yeah, for doing the business for Wasps. But... There's one person, and I'm always I always like to give a shout out to people that might not get the credit uh, from from just from watching at home. But uh, speaking to someone at Wasps, one of the things they said is you need to give credit to Matt Everard, the defensive coach at mm. Wasps, and and what he's he's done there in difficult circumstances with musical chairs in terms of personnel. So just I mean, it must be exhausting <laughs> having to do that with Wasps. But it just as they get players drip feeding back in, it feels like there's something on the up, but. If we're looking at that the mid-table surge is the phrase we used earlier yeah. is uh, looking at those teams I mean I I, I was at Brentford uh, at the weekend to watch London Irish Isn't that amazing? Exeter. On most weekends in an, une- in, in an uneven league the big story would be London Irish beating Exeter This yeah. weekend it's almost it almost like got passed over because there were there were there were other what was seen to be bigger surprises but no, you're you're quite right. That's there's your other there's your other mid table surge team. There, there's about four of them now, uh, you know, going for the top four who are haven't really fallen out of form, but you know, just a little bit of a glitch. Yeah, and I mean, London Irish left left points on the tee. Um, you know, Exeter were ahead fourteen. I mean, I, I seem to constantly be on a, be on this podcast talking about how London Irish have to come from behind. They were fourteen 0 down at mm. one point and having to to power through. But it's I don't know. There's just something. Uh, Untangible. That you like them, don't you? Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. yeah, I think it's purely just because they seem to turn it on whenever I'm there. Now, I'm not saying I'm a good luck charm for them at all. But you know, but, uh, any free tickets would be appreciated. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to brag. Anyway. I don't want to brag. But, you I know, know. We get for free anyway. I was uh, being, you know, it was just you know symbolic. Yeah, well, look, I'd want to, if they want to put me in a corporate box, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just it's interesting. We, I mean. The peaks and troughs of extra chiefs through this season, but yes. it feeds. It feeds, and obviously, they have lost big star names. Um, it's still a quality effort, but there was guys out out there that have you know were making Premiership debuts uh, for for them, and it's it'll be interesting to see how they come through this this Six Nations window in what was already a bit of a uh, season for them. Yeah, they'll, they'll, I think what it's looking like is, is and which is great. It's going to go right to the wire, isn't it? You know, I mean, we 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 we've we've talked about Wasps, we've talked about Sale, London Irish, 
I suppose we've got to mention Bath for fair play. We've given them a bit of stick as as everybody has over the over the months. They 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 beat Quinns and deserved it. And Quinns were terrible, absolutely awful. Um, and would they have just about scraped it if Collier and Lamb had stayed on? They went off in the first twenty minutes, possibly. But I mean, Bath gave them a right old hurry up up front. They just didn't get enough ball. And um, you know, it might be a might be a tricky few weeks for Quinns. Um, it's not so much, and I suppose it's the point you're making, it's not so much that, um, you know, all right, they lose five or six, okay, quality players, but they've got a bit of injuries, five or six below that as well. Mm. And, and and that's the situation Wasps have been in most of the season. It's the situation Bath have been in most of the season. What the internationals do is that if you've had a good run with injuries... But then you get another five or six internationals who is equivalent of an injury. You're now in the position that they've been in for quite some time. And I think that's where Quinns are at the moment. And Marchant pulling out with COVID and um, Louis Liner getting called up is probably not really what they wanted. But fair play to Bath. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of people out. and and, And also their crowd. Just want to give a big shout out to that. They are... They've stuck with them. They've been you know, through thin and thin. They have been through thin and thin, and 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 all credit to them. And, and just so we finish off, because a fixture that hasn't got an awful lot to say about it, except, I mean, Gloucester won at Newcastle really very comfortably. Um, Louis Rees-Samit. Oh, I knew you were going to bring oh, that up. It's, oh, look, it was a thing of beauty. The, it was a the, try from the end of the cul-de-sac, a, wasn't it? He's a Jaguar, isn't he? He's ju- I just, you know, there are certain things in the sport, all sports, and rugby union is no different, that when you see something like that, you, you remember why you fell in love with the game in the first place. He was just, when he picked that, what was it, 75 metre, nobody touched him. Beat five or six, and he never ever looked like he was running at absolutely top pace. He, you can't say glid, can you? He glided, he glided his way, and yet made everyone look, everyone else look like they're in slow motion. It's I, I imagine beautiful. If, I imagine if Reese Zamet runs at top pace, it's kind of like the DeLorean. If he hits oh. top pace, he'll travel back in time. Um, but well, it's and and think the thing is is so you mentioned Quinns there and last season and the run that they had yeah. losing guys to call ups. Um, Gloucester are possibly in that that scenario now where okay they're going to lose Reece Zamet to the Welsh national yeah. team. Who if else? something ha- if something ha- they'll they'll lose Harris to oh, to Scotland yeah. and uh, yeah and if something happens to Finn Russell then Adam Hastings might get called up yes but the rest is that core that's there that that's driving been, mall's still there yeah intact, absolutely isn't it? yeah mm. no that's still parked in the driveway so uh, they can rely on that and, and just looking at who who they've got coming up I mean London Irish are one of those teams that aren't going to lose many as we progress through yeah. this this period those two meet next week yeah that's a key game that's a key game ball. for both of those yeah. that could potentially decide where, where what direction of travel they're going in and then the week after that Gloucester are in Devon win that one and then we could be talking about Gloucester are, are uh, really locked on and, and, and alternatively Exeter losing that one yeah you, you, you're starting to Exeter are seventh now well there's, there's not much in terms of the points but they are seventh and in leagues like we're now talking about and the top 14 can be a bit like this in it's top 10 not in it's all the way down they tend to they tend most seasons to split into a sort of 
ten six, uh, sorry, a ten four split often, and they look like they're going to split maybe into a an eight six split this year. But I think the Premiers will be more like this. You're going to get about ten teams, maybe certainly for the next couple of weeks, who really think they've got a chance, and it'll cut to cut to cut to eight and cut to six, and that's just what you. It's exactly what you want. It, 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 I think it's terrific. Um, just a little bit worried about my. My 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 Queens really. I think we've got a we've got a, we've got a lot out, and um, we've been pretty good. We've been able to absorb the injuries this so Wilco Lowe's still and people like that not played, and they need something up front. They need they need a few few back up front. Backline's still all right. Well, there we go. That's the Premiership uh, dissected. Uh, I hope we did you proud there, Steve. Uh, we can I mention the UFC? Yeah, no. Well, yeah. If you want to, go on. <laughs> I just want to. Yeah, couple, well, I've got to. It's my hometown, Cardiff. Beat Leinster for the first time since 2009. And I don't care who was playing, right? And Owen Lane, who I'd not seen much before, looks uh, really very, very useful. He won't get in the Welsh side. We've already talked about, you know, uh, LRZ, you know, but and, and Josh Adams, but he looks a real handful uh, on the right wing. And um, it was a really good game. And, and the crowd went bonkers, and I haven't seen a Cardiff crowd go bonkers like that for a while. So yeah. that was great. Yeah. And uh, and a win for the Ospreys as well against Edinburgh. So. Again, and, that, and that's not to be sniffed at because no, Edinburgh have no. been having a hell of a season. That's a, a real turnaround from them, and it's it, it's interesting. Those those two results feel like they've come at the right time because there's been for a the lot competition. Of, there's been a lot yeah. of chat in Wales about where the where Project Wales is heading yeah. and whether the national team papers over the cracks. Um, on that note, we will get into the Six Nations and uh, looking ahead to some of the big clashes, including for almost forensically the, the Calcutta Cup clash. But first, here's a roundup from Jess Hayden on all that's going on in the women's game. The biggest news in women's rugby is the announcement of the TikTok Six Nations. The social media giant has announced it will become the first title sponsor of the women's tournament, which is due to follow the end of the men's tournament and start on the 26th of March. But so far, it's not clear how the investment will be shared between the unions or if there's any prize money involved for the women. In the Premier 15s, round 12 kicked off with drama at Twyford Avenue. Near the end of the match, with Wasps and Exeter Chiefs levelled on 15 points and the clock red, Wasps managed to steal the ball from a Chiefs line-out, and with Briley Cleo in possession, Wasps looked likely to form an attack. However, a deliberate knock-on by an Exeter Chiefs player was missed by the referee, who blew his whistle for the end of the match, seemingly thinking it was a Wasp player who knocked on the ball. It once again started the conversation about the need for a TMO in the Premier 15s. Elsewhere, Saracens are reigned top of the table after their 39-28 defeat of Worcester Warriors, having left it until the final 10 minutes to really pull away from Worcester, with a resurgence led by Mardi Packer, who scored two tries. Loughborough took a bonus point win against DMP Durham Sharks with a 58-5 victory and Harlequin secured some much-needed points with a 26-12 win at home to Gloucester Hartbury. Finally, the round ended with a convincing 36-5 win for Bristol Bears against Sale Sharks. Attention can now turn to next weekend's clash, Harlequins versus Saracens, the biggest rivalry in the league. If you didn't know, every Premier 15's final so far has been between these two sides and the game will be broadcast live on Saturday the 5th of February at 2pm on the BBC Sport website and iPlayer.
iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thanks to Jess for that. Um, now let's cast our eyes ahead to the, the Six Nations and... I suppose the big one that a lot of people will be talking about is the Calcutta Cup clash. Uh, so we decided it'd be a good idea to talk to former Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw. Greg, thanks thanks for joining us. And uh, we're talking about the Calcutta Cup here. The first thing I wanted to ask you before we get to anything else is, I just want to know what your reflections are of that game in 2018 that could well go down as one of the craziest games of rugby ever played in the Six Nations. Looking back on that now, what the hell was that? Oh, uh... Yeah, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't think you're going to see many test matches like that, certainly. Um, probably never a Scotland-England game ever like that again. Um, yeah, it was it was one of the just games where everything certainly fell into the place later in, in the piece for us. And, uh, you know, England just, it was it was amazing just to see that they sort of couldn't cope with us. And, uh, you know, it was one of the rare occasions you felt really on top in, in a Scotland jersey. Looking at Scotland now, and England as well, I suppose. How how different are these teams uh, today, even from from back then? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're probably two different teams to to be quite honest. And I think obviously you sometimes get that with the with the transition from uh, from a World Cup, and obviously we're a couple of years uh, post World Cup, uh, nearly three years now already uh, post World Cup. So different teams now. I think um, Scotland. Have, Probably a slightly more settled team, I would say. You know, going into this, England obviously had a, a good November series there, but they've, they've been disrupted by injuries. So, yeah, two new teams, but you know, probably two exciting teams, and uh, Scotland probably a little bit more settled than England. With that, and also looking at last Six Nations against England and France, and the win against the Wallabies, there's that there's that word that Scottish people always feel almost poisoned by hope. Um, how dangerous is hope? But also, where do you where do you see uh, Scotland at the moment? And obviously, a lot comes down to the calendar and who they're playing against, when and where and how and and all that. But I, with the, it's always a it's always an interesting subject. The Scots talking about uh, hope. Uh, where are you with that at the moment? Well, I think you know hope's not the word for me. I think the word for me is. It's, Confidence in Scotland, they've got to be confident, confident in each other, and I think that's part of the reason that they've done well and sort of, uh, you know, recent history. And I think the seven boys, I think it was, that went on our lines to it as well. That they can really come in and, and have a big impact, hopefully, on the Six Nations and say, 
you know, look, boys, we've rubbed shoulders with, with other boys. We're, we're not too far away. And, um, you know, and just take real confidence from each other and, and confidence from some some good games they played, certainly in last season's uh, Six Nations. The boys were awesome. Uh, and then, you know, certainly a very good win against Australia uh, in November to, to push them along as well. You, you've you played against and you've seen at close quarters on tour uh, Owen Farrell. How, how big a loss is he for England and, and just I wonder if you could give us a sense of what his power of personality is like oh well he's you know he's a good guy uh, Fazzy you know he's he's pretty laid back off the field but he's he's, a, he's definitely a winner you know that's something he's pretty easily described as a winner he wants to win and uh, you know he's willing to put his body on the line for, for his team and stuff so uh, yeah excellent player and he's a test match player um, he, he really is he he knows how to win test matches, uh, and I believe England will miss him. Uh, to be honest, they don't really have a an out and out, you know, like for like replacement essentially for him. The, the centres they picked in the squad, they've probably not got a huge amount of experience, barring uh, maybe like a Henry Slade, but probably he's more suited in the thirteen slot rather than twelve. Um, you know, and Farrell obviously, um, you know, takes a lot of the kicking duties for England as well. So. I think they're going to miss him. Uh, you know, you know, I'm sure the English coaches have, uh, you know, had long and hard discussions about how they're going to pick their team now that he's not going to be in it. I was wondering if, I mean, this is probably drilling down a bit too much and possibly a bit, a bit geeky, a bit of inside baseball here. But I was wondering if you could tell me, just from a purely technical and rugby sense, what his game management is like and 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 what you miss with not having him. Like, you know, what's his chat like on the field? What does he see that other people might not see? I was just wondering if you could give me a bit of a sense of his 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 rugby brain. Yeah, well, that's obviously where his strengths lie. Um, and I think, you know, the, you could see the way England were, were shaping up. They're, they're going to pick Marcus Smith probably at 10 and, and own Farrell on that one slot outside him. And uh, when, you, when you get in that 12 slot, you, you, you just get, you know, a couple of more seconds to pick your head up the field, see a few things. And if you've got a 12 that can almost run the game and in the 10s, essentially just listen to the information coming in and focus on his skill set, it makes a, you know, a massive difference. And that's, Obviously, where uh, some of Owen's strengths really lies is his knowledge of the game, but also his skill sets on top of that as well, his ability to kick, uh, you know, pass. Uh, you know, so he's, he's a, as I said, he's a real test match player. And, you know, I believe certainly, you know, somebody like Marcus Smith, as much as he's an excellent player, he's still going to miss somebody of uh, Owen's experience going alongside him. Greg, Mark here. Um, how... How do you put the current um, Glasgow and Edinburgh teams' performances into the into the mix in terms of assessing where where, where your country are? Um, doing really well in the UFC, both of them. Um, UFC, the URC. I, I'm going to keep calling it the UFC, okay? Because okay. I just I just <laughs> prefer it. Um, they do. I mean, they do. But Glasgow's performance against Exeter, I don't know if you saw it in the second, worried me a little. They they got. They got mashed up front, and and whereas they'd give them a real hard time in Glasgow, I, and yet Scotland's recent performances have been pretty good. I've lost a fair bit of money on Scotland in the last two or three years because I think they're right on the cusp, and I've been backing them to break through consistently. Um, not asking you to make any hostages to fortune here, but do you think that's huh. this year? Well, in terms of up front. Well, no, just generally, do you think this might be their breakthrough year? I mean, they're a much, much stronger team, clearly, than they were a few years ago. But in the competition as it stands at the moment this year with the resurgent French and the and the Irish and the, obviously England, and well, they were last year, but not usually a pushover. 
you know, is top two realistic, do you think? Yeah, top two is re- realistic because last year's last year's uh, results in the Six Nations, that sort of points towards that. You know, you don't go down to Twickenham and, and away to France and win games. Yeah, obviously, there was no crowds, but, uh, you know, the, the crowd doesn't, uh, you know, play the game. So, uh, but yeah, the boys have got to be confident, but that's where teams are probably going to come from is, is in that up-front slot. You mentioned, the, you know, the Glasgow uh, game there against Exeter, uh, you know, England and some of the bigger teams, probably France, will be looking at the way South Africa played against Scotland in November. Certainly, South Africa never got away from Scotland, but that, that sort of power game, that's traditionally, you know, in the past where Scotland have maybe just come up short in the last, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, if they can, Scotland can get that right, uh, they're going to be extremely uh, competitive and doing with a chance this season. Just just thinking on that and actually carrying on from last, last Six Nations as well, Scotland obviously hugely buoyed by wins against England and France historic wins away from home and luckily enough get to play them uh, at Murrayfield uh, this season but it's probably looking back to last season it was the games against Wales for example where they they let it slip when it was that was a match that was there for the taking how on it in a, at a test match level how do you change that those close losses to becoming a win is that a mindset thing is that a technical thing how do you get over that little hump yeah, well, it's it's probably not a technical thing. There'll, there'll be little things along the way, but uh, well, the mindset side of it and it's confidence as well. You know, having the confidence to, you know, if if you're up in a game, is you know, don't go into your shells, don't try and shut up shop, and you know, and just defend your lead. If, if things are working for you, try and have that confidence to keep doing them, and uh, and just have that mindset. You know, if, if things are working, keep doing them. Be really confident and. And when you're on the big stage, you know, more often than not, if, if you're able to do that and you're playing well enough and putting yourself in a good position, you, you can go on and win the game. So, And I think, you know, coming back to that uh, confidence, experience, whatever you want to sort of say, I, you know, with the seven boys that were on the Lions tour, I think we've got guys now, you know, playing it, playing an Exeter Chief, playing for Racing Metro, uh, you know, playing down in Gloucester in the Premiership. We've got boys that are, got a lot of experience uh, and they, if they can really bring that to the party you know Scotland can definitely be them with a chance this season Greg just finally I mean I've read a lot about a number of commentators saying that they feel Scotland have got a lot more depth than they've had historically across the across the all the positions or most of the positions um, and although I sometimes feel there's a, this depth argument is, is overdone because at the end of the day it's 23 players and you know, you get them on, get them on the part. You, you know, that's who you've got. But do you think there's something in that, or do you think it's a little overblown? Yeah, I'm probably more tended to, to agree with you there because you, you've got the 23, you know, players on the field, and depth's obviously good if, if you pick up injuries. But you know, the 23 boys selected in the first game will be the 23 boys. You know, the, the coach and staff, Gregor, thinks can get the job done. So you're hoping you're not going to have to go too far into the depths, you know, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, there's not a huge amount in that for me. And I think the team that's selected in the first game is probably the strongest team he's looking at. So, you know, you need a bit of luck, I guess, to win tournaments like the Six Nations. So Scotland are going to have to have a little bit bit of luck, sorry, to to keep everybody fit if they can do that. As I said, you know, the first game is obviously massive as well. It's It's a short tournament, so momentum's key. 
Greg, you're uh, you're you're obviously out um, playing in Japan for the Shining Arcs. What's what's your setup going to be for Calcutta Cup time? Are you going to get the chance to watch it? And and if so, what's your setup going to be? I am actually. Uh, I'm off. Uh, I'm off to do some TV work actually with uh, a Japanese TV company that are uh, that are showing the game out here in English. Uh, so I'm I'm going to do a little bit of work um, after we. Uh, play Panasonic uh, this weekend so be watching it live it's going to be late at night for me but I'm certainly looking forward to it I'm interested in in, in how you've been going in Japan actually because obviously I I think it maybe caught you a little bit by surprise in 2019 how much just how much of a cult hero you became to the to the people of Japan obviously playing out there now I saw recently people making miniature statues of you Greg um how are you finding that lifestyle and the and the attention you've been getting out there <laughs> yeah, it's all been good fun to, to be quite honest um, be interesting to see if I can get that statue back on the plane with me when I eventually come home so it's uh, nah, it's, it's been a great experience so far certainly enjoying it uh, the club here is, is pretty good uh, I'm playing for NTT Communications yeah so I'm, I'm having a great fun at this stage of my career it's a great place to be it's really sort of positive positive rugby and I think he can you know really help the Japanese players uh, certainly in our team as well so having lots of fun and and enjoying playing. Perfect. Greg, thanks very much for joining us and good luck calling that game out there in the middle of the night. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers, Greg. That was former Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw there. Great to have his thoughts on Calcutta Cups of the past and where they are this year. How about we get an English perspective? Uh, here's an interview that Alex Lowe has done with Jamie George, uh, a man who should be deeply involved this weekend. Look, it's a really exciting time to be involved. Um, bringing in these new young guys, you know, so much talent like you know you've got two guys in particular Marcus and Freddie Stewart like they're, they're generational talents like them and seeing those young guys they bring a huge amount of energy a new voice new ideas you know and, I, and, and Eddie's all for it you know he wants the players to drive it we've got new guys in new ideas let's see where we can take this thing and, you know it's a really like I said it's a really exciting time to be involved in it uh you know, it's it's great to be learning from those young guys. You know, I'm talking now as if I'm a 40 year old, but um, <laughs> it is. You know, those. Whenever you come into camp, when you're a younger player, when I was a younger player, I always felt the need that I need to drive the energy from within the team. You see how it's. it's I always love it when new guys come in, and you see it, it's a constant reminder of how special it is to be here. And sometimes when you're here, you know, I've been really lucky that I've been involved in squads now for a little while. And maybe you lose you lose the sight of that when you, when we're here at Penny Hill, we're away from everyone else. You don't hear all the noise outside. You're not reading any of the media. But then these young guys come in and they they show you like how special it is to be here. And maybe you know you lose sight of it when you're in it day in day out. But new guys coming in give you that insight, and uh, it's great to be a part of. Jamie George there telling us a little bit about the, the English side of things there. Um, just, a, just a heads up, uh, if you still want to listen to it, we've got our Six Nations special podcast uh, ahead of the big kickoff, looking at all the major talking points and what the future might hold for this tournament. So, Mark, let's get tucked oh, into well, this. Before we do, at the, at the risk of being labelled outrageously sycophantic, you, that's a, that was a really good show. I, I listened to that as a, as a punter. I thought it was terrific, and I urge everyone to listen to it for a, a, a slightly more... Not offbeat, but sort of more unusual approach to it. I thought it was really excellent, both of you. I know well, that sounds awful, and I'm not being paid for that. It was just a really good listen. Unusual, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Never knowingly uh, <laughs> similar. Uh, well, Mark, let's let's get into the the Six Nations and some of the other ties. I, I believe that you've you've got some points you want to make about England, actually. Yeah, I, I'm. 
Look, England have won one of the last four against Scotland. Not often you can say that. Um, As a so, Scottish person, that makes me dead uneasy. It, I thought it might. Well, you, you, you. In rugby terms, you are deeply uncomfortable about being favourites, aren't you? As a yeah. nation, yeah, you've got to get over that. Um, I think this was a tricky game for England, anyway. Um, and I, I, I think it's too close to call, and it's been even more difficult to call given that Courtney Laws isn't going to play, and Joe Marler might not play. And doesn't look like Marchant will play, and I'm sure he would have been in the 15. And obviously Owen Farrell, we've already, you know, we've already discussed. That's quite a big out. Now I think England got huge amounts of depth, and they've got loads and loads of talented players. And that them and France, you know, it goes without saying. But I do think that's now put a fair bit of pressure on to Ben Youngs and Marouetoji in terms of leadership. Does Tom Curry into, come into that at all? Well, I think so. If you look at the where the leadership group is, yes, he must do. But it, 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 well, I suppose what I'm saying is there's a couple of key people out positionally there. I mean, I always think England, I'm biased, but I always think England look better with Marla in the team. I just think he gives them that no. set-piece dominance. Or, I'd the, agree with you on that. The, I just think he's the best loser. And I think Courtney Laws is in the form of his life. And he's that typical, he's that sort of hybrid 4-6 that's so um, popular for understandable reasons He also moment. marries brutality with calmness uh, Just a wonderful, wonderful player um, and now you've got the whole midfield slightly up in the air although I'm not as worried about as some are because I think, I like Henry Slade at 12 I think he's. I think he plays really well there I'm, the problem now is I'd have played I'd have played Marchant at I'd have played Marchant at 13 but so that's all a little bit up in the air again as well. So I still think it'll be really tight. And 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 Glasgow's sort of second half performance against Exeter worries me a bit because quite a number of them are likely to, of that pack are likely to start. But it's Scotland and it's at Murrayfield and there's a full crowd and England have got a little bit of a track record of losing. Once they lose momentum in a game, they struggle to get it back. Um, and I'm not sure the South Africa game really got over that. So I'm, I, I, I sound like I'm edging towards Scotland, don't I? But I, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you're hitting on there is an interesting discussion point about decision making in England and historically, decision making on field when times have been tough, when things have gone badly, the decision making has been horrific. And that's mm. in terms of what you do with your penalties or where you want to play on the pitch or where you want to get rid of the ball and that kind of thing. We've already been told that this is a new look England and it, by by dint of having Marcus Smith running the cutter it has to be now anyway if if indeed that is what we as we expect will will come out um a different leadership group driving them around is that a good thing actually for England that yeah, they don't be. have a hangover with those things or is it, is it a, a complete is it shake and bake we've got something completely different could be i suppose you know you go back not that many years and England Scotland was almost a sort of well England win that you know, for for quite a while, it was like when Scotland used to beat Ireland. People don't remember that. I'm old enough to remember when Ireland didn't beat Scotland. Between I'd have been in short trousers 1988 then. to two, 1999 or something. I was, uh, I was one in 1988. It, well, there we are. But, I mean, that, it's amazing to think of that now, isn't it? I mean, you, who do who, it's like well, a different... I, I, I remember being at Murrayfield when England won 20-0 and there was talk in the papers the next day of what's the point of Scotland in the Six Nations. Yes, yes. It, uh, it's, but it's not like that now. I mean, it re- this one... I don't know. The spread will be like 
0-3 or minus 1-2, mm. something like that. It's going to be really, really tight, and I'm really looking forward to it. I just love this way that Scotland play, and I just, I just, if they could just convert a higher percentage of the chances they create, they'd be an absolutely top team. Well, let's open this up to the to the rest of the competition mm. because there's a sense that, okay, England, based on their November performances, have said that they want to play a different way. They've demonstrated that they want to play a different way. France, I mean, we saw in November, I mean, geez, having a go from their own try line um, against the All Blacks of all people, uh, you know, France are willing to have a go. Uh, in the special podcast, we had uh, Gregory Aldrich, the, mm. the number eight, saying that it's it's time to deliver. They're ambitious, but they're willing to play in a certain way. And then you get to Ireland, and based on the way that they p- performed against the All Blacks, uh, I mean, a lot of praise was coming in going, OK, Mike Katz figured it out. I think Andy Farrell has his fingerprints all over the way that Ireland play. Um, the provinces are going incredibly well, um, and particularly in Europe. And you look at the, the the players that they've got, and the big thing with with them is, and it's the thing that you speak to analysts and coaches, and it's they say, why is there's not more of a talking point in rugby generally? Ruck speed for yeah. Ireland is off the charts. Sensational. When they're when they're really good, it is nosebleed stuff. It's just quick, 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 and they and they love to accumulate. It's it's interesting. We've seen for years and years and years now people hoisting up kicks and trying to scavenge off of off of mistakes and playing. It's not low risk rugby, but it's lesser risk percentage. rugby. Ireland have seemed to have gone well. There's another way of getting your percentages, and it's just to look after the ball, more like Exeter, and build pressure. They're like Exeter with Exeter with uh, Exeter with better ruck speed. I mean, and when Exeter, they do do a different way to Exeter, but there are quite a lot of Exeter at their peak. That there are there are some similarities. They're my favourites for the tournament. I, I think Ireland are going to win it. Okay, I I I, I I'm. How many loops do you think we'll see from Johnny Sexton in midfield? 25,000? Uh, there'll, there'll be one or two. Yeah. There'll, there'll be one or two. I, I just think they look the, the most balanced team. Them and France look, look the most balanced team. So I think we're coming back now, but why the England-Scotland game is so important is if either of them have got ambitions of winning it, and I think they both have in their heart of hearts, England, because the expectations are always so high, Scotland, because they have genuinely made progress in the last four or five years. And at some point, they're going to have to translate that into a consistent uh, Six Nations performance. Um, And France and Ireland are the two best teams. So whoever loses the Calcutta Cup, I think they're pretty pretty much they're gone uh, in terms of the championship. I, I just cannot see them coming back from that. And I don't... And that might sound a bit harsh on England. It's an away game. Except, honestly, I think you've got to play Ireland and France, whoever you are. And I do think they're the two best balanced teams. I'll tell you what, that's an interesting point because looking dispassionately, and this is not scientific in any way, <laughs> but if you look at odds checker and the odds for who they're going to win it, it just naturally stacks in a table. So if you assume that that's a table for how it's the bookies expect it to finish, we've got France first, England second... Ireland third and there's a clear separation between the top three and the bottom three and then you've got Wales Scotland fifth and Italy sixth is how is how the bookmakers could potentially see it coming now obviously that's based on where bets are going where the yeah. money's going and England are all, going. Eng- England are always going to have money on because there's so many them. more English uh, population wise but I, I don't buy that um, I, I think it's it's Ireland France and whoever wins on this weekend and Wales I hate to say it uh, um, and I'm I'm really 
this is quite dangerous because Wales, we do this to Wales every bloody like year. Every bloody year. I just and they and they confound the the pundits. So I, I I hope I'm going to be confounded, but you've got to call it like you see it, haven't you? Uh, I cannot see Wales challenging this season. I just don't think they've got they've got too many injuries. There's not enough depth. Um, oh, but it's the unknowns. I mean, the Six Nations is the most romantic of times anyway. Yeah, look, they're but... not going to win in Dublin, are they? They're not. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that categorically and be proved horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, but I love the question marks because Ellis Jenkins has never started a Six Nations match. No, nope. isn't that bonkers? Like how good he was in November and how good we've we've seen him play and, and how he raises his game. He's never so Wait, he's he's an unknown. You know, we, yeah, we yeah. don't know what to expect from him yeah, in, yeah. A, in a Six Nations match. I suppose what we're getting at is uh, we've talked at length there about Marcus Smith at 10 and Owen Farrell at 12 was what we were expecting to come down the pipe and we've heard chat about 10-12 combinations and how important that can be at this level um, I asked Russ Petty uh, who keeps stats on these kind of things mm-hmm. what the, on, in the PVAC era how many uh, different centre partnerships there had been there have been 12 yeah. 11 different sets of personnel and then one match where we had um, Tompkins and Davis swapped shirts so, they, so 12 different combinations at centre so if you say that Dan Bigger is your constant and that if he's fit to play and he's captain, obviously, then then fantastic. He's he's manning the rudder and he'll decide which where and when and how Wales play. Um, but that's that's the unknown about Wales. Can they keep turning it on? Look, there's look, there's a factory somewhere in Wales that used to produce fly halves and now it produces open side flankers. They mm. have just got an extraordinary number. Well, given that they lack depth in a lot of other areas they just keep churning out these top quality sevens and some of who can play elsewhere in the back row a number of them are injured at the moment but nevertheless they're never going to be short of a quality seven but there's other holes in the team and I take your point about the midfield some of that's beyond it has been completely outside of his control it's been forced sure, but on there's, but there's been but at the, least three yeah. test windows where he's, he's yeah, had yeah. the chance to yeah, cap no, no, people it's fair, fair comment I, 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 I just don't see how I, I just don't see Wales featuring in the top three this year. Okay. Well, we'll see how everything pans out. Uh, oh, and my other wish for the tournament. Go on. And and people need to be realistic. I hope Italy get back to within 20 points of other teams. It's it's You cannot go from last season, I think you got whacked by 40 by in most games. That's bad for them, bad for the tournament, bad for all for everything. Um, yeah. I really hope that Italy. I, I so, think, do you think that that's a more realistic goal than them yeah. nicking it, nicking a win somewhere? Yes. I mean, obviously, in our yes. special podcast, we've had Franco Smith talking about competitive and improving in yeah. certain yeah. areas of the, the field. The, the, but the, this does not happen overnight. You know, you're coming, and it's not like they've got a whole new golden generation suddenly coming. Although their age group teams have, for the last couple of years, I mean, looked got better. Lamaro coming in as captain. Yeah. They've got Garbisi's yeah. continued rise, and he's been going well for Montpellier. You know, they'd love to get Pelledri back, but then so would Gloucester. I mean, he makes such a difference when he plays for them. But look, no, I don't think a win is realistic. I think what you've got to do it in stages, and I think my aim for them would be this time, get it, get at least two or three of them back to within 20 points and go from there. Well, there's plenty to look forward to with the Six Nations. Uh, I'd suggest you keep your eyes on the, the Times and Sunday Times throughout the tournament to, to, to follow it. Um, if you've got the opportunity as well, there's a there's a great interview from Stephen Jones with Tyke Furlong of Ireland. Um, who, the legend that he is. Yeah, the many expecting to have an enormous impact on this tournament. Uh, plenty to keep your eyes on there. I suppose it's best now to turn our eyes to God or Goddess of the Week and 
Mark, who have you singled out? Or well, devil, because you're the man that introduced uh, yeah, devil. Yeah, I did introduce the devil. No, I'm not. I, I, I was tempted to do a bit of virtue signalling and go for wasps for donating part of their gate receipts to the... Uh, Samoan tsunami um, sort of and you have to take your hat off to Malachi oh, Fekitoa for cracking absolutely on right. without knowing what's happened yeah. to his family but, out there and, in Tonga but I, I, I just felt that would be a little bit you know sort of oh look how cool I am so uh, which I'm not so I'm going to go back to my no roots comment. and pick another front row forward which I know will please you uh, and, and I think it sums up the world of the front row beautifully my, my, my god of the week this week is Boan Venter from Edinburgh. for Edinburgh. Who scored three tries, and let's be honest, they only scored 20-odd points. So, he, you know, his, his points added up to something like 19 with the conversions. Uh, he he went, went in for one from over 10 yards and, and made beat a couple of people. Fair play to him. The others were just fallovers, but I mean, good body position. All, all, all the work from the tight leads itself to the headline, Boan Constrictor, surely. Indeed, got to, hasn't it? And three... So three tries in a, in a, uh, in a UFC game, fantastic, and they lose. I mean, and that just sums up to me that the world of the loose head prop. Um, you, you put three tries across the whitewash, and they the rest of them let you down so so badly. So it's partly in recompense for that, Boan. You are my god of the week. Well, um, I, th- I think my suggestion is going to be gods of the week. Um, it's not often that we give sevens a shout out on the on this podcast, yeah. and the the sevens World Series has come back in a fashion, um, having nav- navigated horribly through the the pandemic and try to get things rolling again. We're still getting the calendar rejigged even now to where we're having going to have legs played in in August, for example. But um, blitzbox sevens, you need to take your hat off to the South African setup there. It's something where nationally, a few years back, they decided that they were going to give this a serious go, use it as a fantastic development platform for talents, and they lose guys to 15s all the time. And so suddenly people go, oh, this guy who we thought was quite small before and couldn't quite cut it in the Curry Cup, for example, yeah. is now good enough to play um, for our, our big big franchises. We've got even had some guys capped by the, the Springboks um, recently, and... You look at these guys and they just keep rolling and they're racking up title wins and they're one of the most consistent teams in world rugby, mm. let alone sevens. And it's just, you've, it's just, I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to say congratulations to everyone involved with, with that setup. There. That's a great choice and, and and the contribution it shouldn't be left unsaid that their sevens program has made to the whole transformation project uh, in that country is is not to be underestimated. Um, I'll seed. That's uh, I'll, we'll go with that one. Well, there you have it consensus of the sorts um, thank you for listening to The Ruck uh, from the Times and Sunday Times we'll be back next week uh, after the first week of Six Nations action to dig into all of that and pull it apart and put it back together uh, please like and subscribe and, and wherever you get your podcasts and thanks for listening helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 